This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. Welcome back to another edition of First Down Dynasty, right here wherever you decide to listen to your favorite podcast. You know, we're sort of everywhere, no big deal, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. I am one of your hosts. I am Eric Kravit, a.k.a. The Crav, and joined across the internet, multiple highways, and county lines is the other host of First Down Dynasty. He is Bill Nye, the fantasy guy. And thank you, as always. Yeah, and I've got to admit, Kravit, yeah. um, it has not been a kind year overall so far to start this year. Um, if you'd all be so kind as to catch us on social media, at BNK Radio, our old tag, and our current one at FDD underscore ethos. Thank you, as always, for supporting the pod. And, Kravit, I finally had a good week. I got first wins in a few leagues. Wow. Added on to some others. My first overall, because we do so many leagues, my first winning record in a week. I was, like, trading wins and losses. But overall, bad weeks the first few. Finally had a good week, so very satisfied this tuesday i'm very proud of you thank uh, you li- listen if you can't support your friends and your other hosts like what are you doing with your life i, I really don't know um i also had a really i've been on a heater the past like two and a half years in fantasy football i've been losing in leagues i want to lose and tanking leagues i'm winning in leagues i want to win in dynasty leagues i've made like th- this good luck is going to run out when i don't know how is it going to happen? I also don't know. But God damn it, I'm going to ride this wave of good luck as long and as hard as I possibly can. And my luck can sort of turn around this week, much like yours and much like a lot of our listeners, because week five indicates the first week that players designated on the IR can return to practice and essentially to action in the NFL. And normally players being designated to return a lot of those guys aren't game breakers most of the time they're not but this year in 2023 there are two guys who have the potential to be the number one player at their respective positions because will your favorite player of all time cooper cup is eligible to come back this week and i wouldn't say he's my favorite player of all time but he's been on a couple of teams of mine, and I hope his attitude has changed, and I hope he plays, because Jonathan Taylor is also eligible to come back this week. And the Jonathan Taylor stuff is is, is a whole nother mess. He wants to be traded, but the Colts don't want to, yada, yada, yada. You, if you're listening to this show, you know exactly what the deal with Jonathan Taylor is. So if he plays, that's one thing. But Cooper Cup will is returning to a really, really interesting situation that nobody before the beginning of the season saw coming. No, no one saw this. I thought Puka Nakua was a good talent. I liked the landing spot. I liked the fact that they drafted a receiver when they had done before the cup injury, so he had an opportunity for immediate success. But nobody saw this. He's breaking the record for most uh, catches in Pretty much every game we go down, he breaks the record for that far into the season for rookies at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see what the touches look like uh, once Cup does get back on the field. Cup immediately is the wide receiver one. There's a familiarity there. But I really think that, you know, there's enough to support these two guys. I think the person that takes a little bit of a backseat is obviously Tutu Atwell, who's had a great start to the year. And I think Van Jefferson basically becomes irrelevant. But I think Puka and Cup, it's going to be, you know, the one-two, and they are still going to dominate the touches. I would like to ask you a question. Yes. Was Van Jefferson ever relevant? There was about a three-week stretch, um, I think like two years ago, when Cup was a little banged up and they literally had no one else. There was like a three-week stretch. I'm going to cut you off there. The answer is no. Van Jefferson has never been fantasy football relevant. Maybe team-relevant. But we're not here for the team. We're, we're, we're here about fake football and lording it over your friends. That's so why he's we're here. droppable is what you're saying. 
he shouldn't be rostered is what I'm saying, even in a dynasty league. But we'll talk about that when we get to that portion of the program. Yes, Will, thank you for raising your hand. Well, there's one other important thing that happens this week. The NFL, after this week, is allowed to start moving games around. Oh, we're going to get to that later. Oh, okay. Look at that later. For, the, for the end of the show, we'll finish. Yeah. No, Cooper Cup comes back where where he and Puka Nakua could be the next greatest, whitest show on turf. This is crazy. They they are used to that kind of show. They they are, and Kyron Williams has been a revelation replacing Cam Akers, although he does have a little bit of a hip injury. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. But the Rams are surprising a lot of people this year. Um, They're not complete dog shit, which is a huge step in the right direction for them. Stafford is playing like it's five years ago. They have a good running game. Their defense has not been abysmal. It's a little bit shocking. Well, I, th- I think that's what happens when your entire team didn't spend the entire offseason drunk after winning a Super Bowl. I think this is what happens. I mean, the, the Giants are like 34 and 67 since that infamous boat picture, and they were drinking just because they were made, making the playoffs. I can't imagine what the Rams were doing after they won their Super Bowl. So you know what? Mm-hmm. You have a really good point. <laughs> um, the next guy coming back, it, it, it's a shit show in Indy. There, there's no other way to put it. Jonathan Taylor is eligible to start practicing. They say he is going to practice with the team, but he has made it very well known. He does not want to play for the Colts, and the Colts have made it known that they want to trade him, but they don't want to trade him for anything less than the equivalent of a high second-round draft pick, which isn't completely unfair, if you ask me. So, Will, two questions for you. One, does Jonathan Taylor play this week? And two... If he doesn't play for Indianapolis, does he play at all? And I just thought of a third question. I lied to you. It's three. If he sits out this year, do you trade him to a struggling team looking to come back next year from a tank situation and all of a sudden, you know, freak out and become a contender? It's tough. I want to say he plays. I want to say that he's going to show that he's a difference maker before the trade deadline, because I think that's the only way he's going to get a team to kind of contact the Colts to try to get him out of there. I think it behooves him to get back on the field these first few weeks, especially to try to show that, you know, he makes a difference because I think what you're seeing is, yes, you can find anybody to run the ball. And if you don't have a special running back, you can easily just put another one in. And that's kind of what the NFL coaches and the NFL front offices have been saying and has been building to. But what I think when you see the injuries to Austin Eckler, when you see the injuries to Saquon, when you see that these guys are not on the field, is that sometimes there are exceptions. And there are. You have guys that just are special. And when you find those guys, they deserve to be paid and should and there's a difference between those top you know 15 running backs versus any other running back that are going to get paid they're just some guys are built different and those are a few guys and i think jonathan taylor is one of those guys ultimately i think he plays i don't think he's necessarily you know going to be traded and i actually would not be surprised that if he's not traded by the trade deadline, suddenly he's hurt again. I really wouldn't. So then, if you're a tanking team, do you buy him? If it is that situation that, oh no, his ankle hurts again, sitting out a whole year and then attempting to come back doesn't really bode well for a lot of people. When they try to do it, you can look at Le'Veon Bell when he tried to do it. When he was a member of the New York Jets, he was not good. But the difference is he was a lot older and had a lot more wear and tear on his body than Jonathan Taylor is currently and is going to in the near future. He still has a lot left to give to another team. But yes, sometimes, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The Steelers played hardball with him. But I really think this goes beyond even the business of the NFL. I really, truly think that Jonathan Taylor 
hates Jim Irsay and vice versa. And I just absolutely believe he does not want any part of it. Oh, 100%. I, would you blame him? No, not at all. Yeah, I, I so mean, I don't blame him Jim Irsay, Jim Irsay had a few years where I was like, oh, he's okay. But then the last few years, he he's worse than Jerry Jones. He's absolutely a nut job. And I honestly, uh, he comes off as, yes, he's the owner. He can has the right to do all these things. But he's coming off as an ass completely. It's, it's beyond business. He's coming off as a complete asshole in this situation. I mean, egos will always be a thing in sports. There's absolutely no way around it. Uh, we do have one more big return this week, not from a potential IR uh, stint, um, but Jameson Williams had his suspension reduced from five games to four, and he is coming back this week, getting ready to play, and apparently the hamstring is all good, and he is excited to come back onto the field. Now, Will, both you and I are, are, are big shareholders of Jamison Williams. We have him in a lot of leagues in redraft and in dynasty. Are you expecting him to be that guy? The guy coming out of college who was supposed to be the wide receiver one in that class that had Drake London and Garrett Wilson and all these other really, really, really good wide receivers in that class. He's supposed to be better than all of them. Last year, he was hurt, didn't really produce, and obviously this year, for the first four weeks, he hasn't touched the field. Coming back this week, do you think he immediately makes an impact, or do you think that it's going to take him some time to, to really sort of get his stuff together? It's going to take him some time. Uh, Jameson Williams is obviously very talented, very fast. But he has to play catch up. He was, you know, injured part of training camp, uh, injured a lot last year. So he's got to one get healthy and prove he can stay on the field. But he also hasn't played, so he has to work up to playing a full game. I think we'll give him two weeks, and once he gets there, he's going to be the number two receiver. I think instead of Josh Reynolds, opposite Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think ultimately you want him on the field as much as possible, even if he is just a decoy, especially a to start because Jamison Williams now, even though he was a top draft pick has to fit into this offense, this offense that has uh, Montgomery running the ball, um, you know, with a purpose that has Jamar Gibbs spelling him and speed all over the place uh, on the outside, especially in the short passing game and the runs. I'm on Ross St. Brown all over the field. He's the number one. He's going to be still the number one target. And you have a big body tight end in Sam Laporta. Now you add James to this mix. He has to fit into all that. And he does perfectly. If you have a guy like him taking the cover off the ball, keeping the safeties focused on him, not allowing a big touchdown, Laporta and Amon Ra are going to see like the C split in the middle of the field. There's going to be so much space. So he complements their offense really well. He just has to build up to it. And I think he will just if you're expecting him to come in this week and do it just not the next week or two. I kind of can see that. Um, like I, I agree with you. It will take him some time to get up to speed, but I do think that he might end up being number three option on that team, at least early on. Cause you mentioned his name and goddamn Sam Laporte is putting every single rumor and stereotype about rookie tight ends into the back of the shed and shooting them in the back of the head because Sam Laporta has been an absolute revelation for one, the lions and two, anybody who's drafted him in tight end premium leagues. He's already the number two tight end, the number two tight end. Crazy. He, he, he's been insane. His lowest snap share so far this year is 74%. He, he, he's, he's a freaking monster. 240 yards and a touchdown in four games. And people were getting this guy late, middle of the second, early third, and a lot of rookie draft because guys like Michael Meyer were getting a lot of hype before him. And Dalton Kincaid was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be that dude. 
when it came to the tight ends and it just isn't really working out for Kincaid and Michael Meyer at this point, eventually it will, at least we hope so. But I guess they're suffering from the rookie tight end syndrome that a lot of people do. And Sam Laporta somehow has bucked that. Well, Kincaid also does have to deal with Dawson Knox being an incumbent and still being, you know, viable himself. And he has Stefan Diggs and as much as you and I, you know, to imagine this person didn't exist gabe davis is still a thing and is actually not having a horrible season not a great season but he's not having a horrible season. but he is lower on the totem pole whereas in detroit's offense sam laporter is the number two option in the passing game behind amon ross st brown and it was like that pretty quickly josh reynolds uh being number three so he's just instantly more important to that offense thinking kate is in buffalo and meyer Meyer is probably a better overall tight end from a blocking and just a complete tight end standpoint, but he eventually will get there. They also just don't need him as much, and their offensive line isn't quite as good, so they do need his blocking more than his receiving at the moment. All right, fair enough. Either way, Jamison Williams will be eased back in, but don't be surprised for the first few weeks if Sam Laporta is still that guy. And I'll take it one step further. Maybe Sam Laporta is the number two target on that team for the rest of the year. He and Goff have been killing it for the first time in God knows how long. The Detroit Lions are 3-1 and one and atop the NFC North, just doing what they're doing. Right? Like, Jameer Gibbs has been an absolute colossal failure from a fantasy football standpoint for the first four games of the year. Right? And now you have Sam Laporta, who's been a revelation. I said that already, and I mispronounced it a second time. Words are hard, guys. Jared Goff, incredible so far. That defense, nobody's talking about that defense, but their defense has been insane. Adley Hutchinson has been ridiculous. He's looking like a looking like a defensive player of the year candidate already. Second year in the league, four games in. He's a monster. The Detroit Lions don't give a damn about your fantasy football team. They're just going to keep doing what they're doing and keep winning. It's weird to think about this concept, but it almost seems, even this early on in the season, almost a formality if you know things in Green Bay don't get fixed. Division winner Detroit Lions is actually a phrase we should be saying in a few months. And... You know, for us that have pretty much just seen them, you know, they made the playoffs once with Stafford. To see them perennially be the fourth team in that division and now being the best team by far in that division is just absolutely nuts. Fun times. Uh, But it it is going to be fun when you think you have the perfect complement of players. You have a down-the-middle running back. You have a speed to the outside running back. You have a deep threat a solid tight end down the middle, and a Mr. Do-Everything wide receiver, they have the perfect complement of weapons to each what they do, and it's going to be fun to watch. With Jared Goff, who, yes, let's admit this, two years ago, everyone assumed he was barely going to stay in the league. And now he's going to be due for a big payday. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, good for him. He's earned it. I've I've been a Jared Goff, Ryan Goff, Lion Goffling guy. Words are hard. I don't understand what the problem is. You're being very mean to me, laughing at me on mute over there. I see you, big dog. I see you making fun of me for the fact that I can't really talk. But hey, that's what happens. Um, I might not be able to talk, but T. Higgins might not be able to breathe, which is more important than talking because he screwed up his ribs. Uh, that entire Bengals offense in general has been a complete disaster to begin the year. Ugh. Yeah, I, I know. I was able to buy low on Joe Burrow this year, so I'm, I'm really hoping that they turn it around, sort of. It's a tanking team, so if he wants to you know, screw it up so I can pair him with Caleb Williams next year, that would be goddamn amazing. So, Joe, take a nice, long, easy time getting better. Uh, T. Higgins has been real bad, and now he's got a rib injury going on. He's in danger of missing a couple of weeks. At least at the time of recording, you know how easily things change in the NFL. We can only give you the information that we have. So T. Higgins is somebody who is supposed to miss a couple of games, but whether or not that'll happen is a completely different story. And on top of that, the Pittsburgh Steelers already a mess because Najee Harris is garbage. Sorry, Will. 
is about to get a lot worse for them because Kenny Pickett and Pat Fryermuth both have leg injuries. Pickett has a knee and Muth has a hamstring. Muth is supposed to be sidelined for multiple weeks and nobody knows what the hell is going on with Kenny Pickett. It's rough out there. Yeah, I mean, especially because the Steelers before this were not very good. And if Pickett has to miss any time, obviously not good for him. But if he does miss a game, is the backup still um, Trubisky? In yes, it is. The reigning defending MVP is still the backup quarterback in Pittsburgh. What was the MVP of a flag football league? No, I said MVP. Oh, MVP. Yeah, okay. the MVP. Of course he is. Got it. Uh, anyway, if Trubisky comes in and has any levels of success, it's going to make the rest of the season very, very difficult in Pittsburgh. Absolute mess. Um, Muth was not off to a great start. I wonder if they were leaving him. I don't know his route run percentage, but I have a feeling they were leaving him in to help block even more so because their line has not been able to hold up very much and pick it going through some Zach Wilson syndrome, either throwing it into the ground or, you know, holding it too long. We'll get to Zach Wilson and his uh, emergence from a cocoon this past week. But, you know, the only thing to say as far as a dynasty perspective is you know, you hope Pickett kind of figures it out, but it's not looking good for him. And as far as Muth, if he's out for multiple weeks, keep an eye on Darnell Washington, uh, who they drafted this past year, who was an absolute stud down in Georgia. And he should get an opportunity, so that should be nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be great. Um, I uh, He's more of a blocker, isn't he? He's done both. He's a, he's a physical freak of nature. Yeah. That... Um, so he definitely um, had some... Uh, some good moments. He hurtled people in Georgia. Like he, he's definitely capable of putting up uh, some numbers. He's not the Georgia tight end. A lot of people like to talk about people like to talk about the tight end in this upcoming draft and Brock Bowers, but that's a little bit later on in the program. If you are waiting for, uh, for 2024 draft analysis, come back. Well, we'll keep listening. Don't leave and come back. Keep listening for quite some time. We'll get there. Um, your IDP guys who are gotten hurt, um, big names, Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon on the New England Patriots defense. Christian Gonzalez, not enough people were talking about him. A lot of people woke up today talking about Devin Witherspoon and the performance he had last night against the Giants. People were talking about Christian uh, Christian Gonzalez in this in that same light. He's been insane to begin the year. Yeah, very, very Revis-esque like numbers. Unlike, uh, for whatever reason, Sauce to start the season, he was following the other team's number one receiver, and he was shutting pretty much everybody down. And a big loss for them, and Matt Judon is obviously their best pass rusher, so another big loss for them. And, you know, that defense is a shell, and Mac Jones, well, Mac Jones is probably not going to have a starting job next year if he even makes it through this year based on the way he's playing. But it's weird to say because the New England Patriots, you look at the roster top to bottom, it's a mess. It's crazy that we're slowly witnessing, you know, the demise of Bill Belichick as far as, like, he was untouchable. He could do no wrong with since Tom left. Every year it's slowly kind of, I mean, Christian Gonzalez was a great draft pick this year, but overall, you know, slowly kind of, you know, ripping open that impenetrable armor that was Belichick and the Patriots. You mean somebody named Keishon Booty wasn't a good draft pick? Uh, evidently not. Crazy. Um, I will refute you on two things. One, yes, the Patriots are in a free fall, but it's come pretty quickly. Even last year, they were halfway respectable. This year, it's just been an absolute debacle. Um, Ever since Ramondre Stevenson handed that game to the Raiders last year, and I mean literally handed, they tried to do a really awkward lateral play, and Chandler Jones just literally ran the ball to the house to end a game against the New England Patriots. I'm that 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 was the self destruct button. Since that game, the Patriots have not been the same, and for all the faults the Patriots have, that defense not living up to the hype, and now they're injured, that offense being horrendous. They do have one win on the season, and you know exactly which team that win is against, Will. The Brooklyn Dodgers? Might as well be. They'd probably be better at football, uh, at least uh, at least through the first three weeks of this year. Uh, the New York Jets, 
played really well against the Kansas City Chiefs this past Sunday. Um, every year, Will and I do go to a game. I'm very fortunate in that respect. And this year, the game of choice was Kansas City. We got to see Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and not Taylor Swift live. Oh, Can't God. tell you how appreciative I am of the MetLife crew for not showing anything Taylor Swift related on Sunday night. And had they not played well on Sunday, I would say that the Patriots are significantly uh, better than the Jets are. But somehow, in some way, Zach Wilson and that entire team put – that might be one of the best played games the New York Jets have played in a very long time, just on all three facets of the ball, except for the missed field goal by Greg Zerloin. That would have had the game at 23-23, moving into overtime. We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to discuss that. If we wanted to do a Jets pod, we would do a Jets pod. Uh, maybe one day, but ultimately, <laughs> the big takeaway was a few things. One, Zach Wilson had the game of his life. And now he gets arguably the worst defense in the league in Denver. So he's going to have an opportunity to do it again. And if he does it again and it starts to become a trend, you know, it is year three, but maybe something finally is starting to click. And that, that can happen. It just not usually going from zero to 80 in like one shot. Usually it's like zero to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to usually it's a little bit more gradual. This was just a skyrocket. So we hope as Jet fans, that that, you know, stays to be the case. Um, on Monday night, though, Kravit, a former Jet came back to MetLife, and we say the Jets are bad. Anyone that says the Jets are bad has never watched the Giants. Because the Giants are worse. At least this year. Historically, the Giants are a significantly better franchise than the Jets are. Maybe, but this year, no. No, definitely no, no, no. not this year. Did you know that Geno Smith is undefeated against all of his former teams? He's 2-0 and against the Giants. He beaten, he's beaten the Jets, and he's also beaten the Chargers. And if you forgot Geno Smith was on the Chargers, don't worry. So did I. And literally everybody else. Um, so Geno Smith, uh, we're mentioning because he did get hurt this past Monday night against the Giants. Drew Locke came in and looked pretty goddamn good in the couple of series that he got. His team even scored a touchdown on the drive. Noah Fant would have gotten him a really long touchdown throw, but he was down at the half-yard line, and Kenneth Walker sort of punched it in. Talk to me a little bit about Drew Locke, Will. I didn't see this coming at all. I mean, he threw, what, two passes? I mean, he completed them. It doesn't matter. Hey, listen. Oh, Drew Locke is definitely a guy who, like, in a year or two, is going to go to a team without a quarterback and get a starting job again somewhere. I, I I feel like he will. Just like no pressure this time, taking a few years off to learn and be a backup. I kind of feel like he's a guy in a few years that could get another shot. Uh, I, I hope so. I, I I don't want to... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to make anybody like less than they are. And Drew Locke is a guy who can really, like, he, he could be, like, he was a starting quarterback. He was a big, big, big part of the Russell Wilson trade. Mm. So, like, Drew Locke is definitely going to figure into a team's future. We just don't know if it's going to be the Seahawks, you know? Right. And I understand that you don't want to bring anybody down. But, Kravit, there are plenty of players that bring our teams down, aren't there? Is it is it time to start? You know, moving on, playing some music and saying goodbye. Time for time for the breakup for some people. I have never broken up with anybody in my entire life, Will. Mm. Um, but these are real people I'm talking about. Football people, however. Ugh, I wanted to make a Taylor Swift reference, but I'm not going to because we are better than that. Um, okay, we'll shake it off. Yeah, look what you made me do, Will. It is time to break up with all of these people. And it sucks because in a dynasty league, it's really, really, really difficult to break up with somebody, especially if at the end of your bench and you really don't know what to do. But if you have a hot commodity on the waiver wire 
and you're trying to hold on to the young guys or your taxi squad, whatever, if you have some aging vets that you need to cut loose, um, first and foremost, Chase Claypool is cuttable. He shouldn't be on your roster. But first after him is the name of a receiver that both Will and I were fairly high on for quite some time. He was supposed to be the Baltimore Ravens' number one wide receiver the past, what, three years, Will? Four years? Yeah, was, something like that. He was supposed to be that guy. He has not been that guy. He hasn't even been a guy. He has been a eh, guy. Rashad Bateman has been very, very, very bad. And if you need to make room on your team to pick up maybe a Michael Wilson, a Braxton Berrios, a Ronnie Rivers... Rashad Bateman should be the first to go. Uh, it's hard to say, but ultimately, he's never healthy. That's one of one of the biggest problems. Even like even his production issues when um, with Lamar is one thing, but he's never healthy. He's always banked up. He's always got something going on, and you just can't rely on him. And now with Zay Flowers being there, with Mark Andrews being healthy, and when Odell comes back from his ankle. He's at best the fourth option in that offense. So he's never going to be a guy that's reliable, at least in the near future. And by the time he is, it's not going to be with Baltimore. So if you got somebody you got to pick up, definitely, you know, let him go. And also, I think I mentioned it last week. Even when given an opportunity right now, Hunter Renfro is just not doing anything. I don't know if he needs to get out of uh, Vegas, but kind of uh, group him into that category as well. He was so slotty. Yep. He had one year. It was a one-year wonder, really. Well, one and a half. But. Yeah, he, he was okay for that half year. He, he drugged my ass to the playoffs in one league that half year. Mm. Another name that you should feel comfortable dropping is Dalvin Cook. And you might be saying to yourself, crap, he's a high-profile name. The Jets just signed him for a ton of money. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in football that matters more than what your eyes tell you because that's exactly what's happening in front of you. Will and I, like I said, were in attendance Sunday night at MetLife Stadium, and we saw legitimately nothing out of Dalvin Cook. We had a good angle, too. Yeah, phenomenal angle. These seats are amazing. Maybe we'll put up the picture on our Twitter at FDD underscore ethos and at BNK Radio. He couldn't find holes that the offensive line opened up. He had no burst, so he was running into walls and stopping. They didn't use him in the pass game. Michael Carter is the designated third down back for this team, and Brees only touched the ball nine times, but he was electric each time he had his hands on the ball. Dalvin Cook right now exists for one reason and one reason only, and that's to eat cap space for the Jets. They don't need him anymore. They should cut him. You sure as hell don't need him anymore. And you should cut him. I think he is also an incredibly easy drop. Whether you're in a redraft league or a dynasty league. I think Dalvin is, you know, even if Brees, knock on wood, knocking. If you didn't hear that, you're deaf. Um, for real. If something were to happen to Brees, Dalvin does nothing anyway. You can get rid of Dalvin. Go go pick up Michael Carter off your waiver wire if and when he's there. He's a much better ad. Get rid of him. And, you know, other backup running backs, essentially. Kareem Hunt came back. Maybe he'll be a little bit better, but already immediately signed the last two weeks and barely has played, but has also been hurt the entire time. Obviously, to be expected, having not really had any offseason program whatsoever. Uh, and Jerome Ford is the guy. The hunt is barely being used, and next year, Chubb will be back. As we mentioned, somehow miraculously, only tore one ligament, maybe needs some ACL work, but ultimately much lower damage level than was initially predicted. So, Hunt, you can feel free to let go again. And I think probably the biggest disappointment on this list, as far as definite droppable people, A.J. Dillon, especially with Aaron Jones being out or lightly used the last few weeks, has absolutely squandered any chance, any hopes he has of ever being a lead back again. And Dillon ain't it. Aaron Jones, 
on a short week on a snap count. Didn't do anything. But uh, Dylan had no excuse. So now moving forward, Aaron Jones is going to be the feature back where, yeah. like, for a few years they were splitting time. It's not going to happen anymore. And especially because Patrick Taylor really didn't, you know, step up and sort of take the reins on that. And they, they drafted a rookie, Emmanuel Wilson, also has five five touches on the year. It, he's just – the entire team has just underperformed, and that could be because of the injuries. But that running back room is a mess. AJ, AJ Dillon shouldn't be t- touched, trusted. Aaron Jones is the only person that you could reasonably put in a lineup right now. Um, definitely AJ Dillon does not belong on a team or on a roster. And now comes the fun part, Will, because there are two names here that um, in redraft leagues, one of them is on a uh, cut list. And in dynasty leagues, the second name has been on a cut list all year. And this is the first week that people are saying that he shouldn't be. So between Kyle Pitts and Zach Wilson... Do you think both of them should be rostered? One should be rostered. Neither should be rostered. I know the prospect of admitting Kyle Pitts isn't it. With all the draft capital that hundreds of thousands of fantasy football players invested into him. With all of the hype he got. With all the love he got in in Atlanta. He just ain't it. He's done nothing. Desmond Ritter is still going to be the quarterback, according to Arthur Smith. And as long as he's tied to Desmond Ritter, he is going to do nothing. I'm not going to tell you to drop Kyle Pitts, but there are plenty of name whores out there. And if you can find a name whore that is excited at the prospect of trading for Kyle Pitts, even at a discount, do you go ahead and do it well? I mean, I would absolutely try to get rid of Pitts, and even you traded him for him in a league just a year and a half ago, uh, because you still thought, you know, there. Or did you trade him away in the fourteen team? Um, I did both. I traded for him in one league, and, and then I traded, traded him, him away in okay. another league. All right, so I remembered both. Uh, ultimately, in this offense, in this team with this quarterback and this coach, he is absolutely useless. Also, given by the fact that Janu Smith. Granted, has had a few good years as a receiving tight end, is outperforming Kyle Pitts. Now, it could be one of two things. Reportedly, Pitts is also not fully recovered from offseason knee surgery. In which case, you've been doing him a disservice this whole time if he really isn't recovered. But I really think Pitts is the last guy on your roster. I wouldn't drop him just yet, but I understand the feeling of need to. A tight end is such a shallow position. You can't really do that. And on top of it, I, I really kind of hope, especially if they have John Smith, you trade Pitts to a quarterback that would really use him. And just off the top of my head, there's only a few that I could really see him fitting with that don't already have young or like the elite tight ends in the league. I would love to see him get traded to the Chargers for Justin Herbert, because Gerald Everett, he's okay. He's not a great tight end. Donald Parham is the Jordan Howard of tight ends, catches one-yard touchdowns, that's it, and now he's hurt. So, but a guy like Justin Herbert with Kyle Pitts, I feel like that would be something that finally it can unlock his talent. So I'm hoping that Kyle Pitts gets traded in the offseason. If not, and he's going back to this offense, if they don't draft a new quarterback, at that point, it is definitely possible he's dropping. He's droppable. And as far as Zach Wilson goes, I'm ho- it's hard to drop quarterbacks because most dynasty leagues are either two QBs or super flex. So it's hard to drop any starting quarterback. But after last week, it was like a rebirth. One that you hope he can build upon. Either way, if Rodgers comes back, Rodgers is the quarterback next year and he takes a back seat again. But he may, you know, save his career if he has a good run, whether it's with the Jets or not. So I'm hoping that that would be the case. I am so nervous to be optimistic about about Zach Wilson. 
He has Amen. not earned the benefit of the doubt from me or from a lot of people, but a step in the right direction is a step in the right direction. Um, also moving in the right direction, the steal of the NFL draft so far at pick number two for the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud is on a literal historic pace at this point in time. That is dynasty pick number five for me in two leagues, by the way. Thank you. Very well done. Very proud of you, sir. Take that, Anthony Richardson drafters. Um, he is one of five quarterbacks of all time to throw for more than 300 yards a start in his first four starts. Zero interceptions. He has finally, more than anything else that he's done in, with his career so far, he has finally made Nico Collins fantasy football relevant. And for that, I am forever grateful. Forever, forever, forever grateful. They kicked the shit out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was a game the Steelers thought they were going to have before, obviously, the injuries to Kenny Pickett and to Pat Fryermuth. But that was a game that everybody pegged the Steelers to win. The The Houston Texans hadn't won a home game since December of 2021. And all of a sudden, they're 2-2 two and two in the thick of it in the AFC South. That defense is pretty okay. Will Anderson is going to come along. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, even Robert Woods is providing a nice veteran presence on the field. Damian Pierce, after a really rough start, is starting to come along a little bit in that backfield. And the offensive line is starting to get healthy. They've played zero games with Lar uh, Laramie Tunsil this year. So as he starts to come back, he's one of the best offensive linemen in all of football. That team is only going to get better. Your CJ Stroud investments are about to pop. Just like your Devin Achan. Apparently that's not how it's now pronounced. Stocks are about to explode. And if you're smart like me, you traded away your Raheem Mostert shares. Will, <laughs> did you trade away? Did you have any Raheem Mostert shares to trade away? I didn't because of all of your nagging over the last few years. I was scared to draft him where I should have. But that's not <laughs> really the point, right? <laughs> hold on, 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 hold on. Don't you dare say my nagging about Raheem Mostert is the reason you did not draft him. I on 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 this program 2 years ago, I was in the middle of a draft, a live draft. I was doing a podcast and doing a draft at the same time and I was up in the 4th round of a Superflex league. I needed a running back and there were some options on the board. And my good buddy Will on the other side of the internet, my the other host of this show, said, hey, bud, Raheem Mostert is there. You should take him. Real good running back for the San Francisco 49ers. And I said, but good sir, doesn't he get hurt a lot? And you said, nah, you can't draft based on injury history, even though he had never been healthy before. Don't worry about that. Just you had terrible running backs. It was a draft. None of them were terrible yet. Well, they weren't. They weren't great, and you needed a running back. Hold, wait, 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 hold on. I wasn't planning on going on this tangent, but now I'm. Go I'm going to look up that roster. Anyway, vamp for me for a little bit while okay, I find you, this out. You, because you I'm, do I'm, that. I'll go over. I'm real Devonta mad now. Williams also got hurt this week, so Jaleel McLaughlin could be a thing. McLaughlin. McLaughlin. McLovin. He's now Jaleel McLovin. Thank you very much. Uh, so he's definitely someone to pick up this week. Michael Wilson, who we talked about briefly last week, breakout game this past week. If you and, didn't listen to us, it's your own goddamn fault. And very clearly, you know, now the number two in Arizona, uh, the Rondell Moore experiment. I, I Some guys have so much talent, you just don't understand how they're unable to make an impact down the field. Still like a gadget guy, kind of like a Tavon Austin, I guess, but like not, not nothing really going there. Uh, with all the running back injuries in Baltimore, Keaton Mitchell, another potential ad may not have been drafted. Uh, definitely keep an eye on those guys. Um, Ronnie Rivers, if the could be an ad if the Kyron Williams injury turns out to be a little bit more than we are anticipating at this point. And uh, if you really need a receiver, injuries, bye weeks, etc. Apparently, Braxton Berrios is still a thing. 
And as Jets fans, we know him all too well. Always good for a few surprise catches, but when you're overshadowed on a team with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, somehow if you end up as the leading receiver in any given week, that is noteworthy. So good for that. Those are really the ads. Quinton Johnson obviously was spoken about last week. He acted as wide receiver three. It was Trey Palmer as the two, as expected. Only had one catch, even with increased snap share. But with an early buy this week, obviously we are hopeful of a much higher workload post-bye week and going on into the rest of the season. And as we were talking about Kyle Pitts, I mentioned Janu Smith. Janu Smith has three straight games of double-digit points for tight ends on a team with Kyle Pitts. I don't know what this means. Other than that, his time with the Titans should have, you know, alerted us that, you know, he is a good tight end, and his time with the Patriots was just, you know, some injuries didn't fit well, probably didn't like Bill, completely understand that. But he seems to be back to his old self. And if that's the case and he's outproducing Kyle Pitts, that is noteworthy for the rest of the season. Uh, always in Dynasty, we judge by, you know, our rookie production. And not all rookies are created equal. You have the immediate start quarterbacks. You have the quarterbacks that sit for a year, two years, the guys that are late-round picks that become starters. And that is also true of wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, etc. Obviously, Stroud... Puka, HN, this is going to be a torturous year with this guy's name. All right out of the gate, really hot. Anthony Richardson came back from the concussion. Another really solid game. Bryce Young struggling along a little bit in this early uh, season. Eventually, I think he will get there. But, you know, there may be something to this where, like, Kyler was, people were concerned about his size. And now people concerned about Bryce Young's size. Now, there is a thing where Drew Brees was a thing, but that is definitely not the norm. And a lot of these smaller quarterbacks, which is one concern we've always had about Zach Wilson, just may not be able to, you know, kind of keep up. And the other two, physical specimens and everyone pegged C.J. Stroud, how he didn't go number one when you start the season like this is just crazy. Okay, we don't because I, I found the team. Oh, okay. I found the team. I found the draft, and I am big mad. Big mad at who? Um, I'll let you figure it out. So my team for the it, this is a, a two quarterback league. Okay, and my team was the following. This was in 2021. So Nick Chubb was a running back one. Jonathan Taylor was the running back one. Matt Stafford had a very good year that year. A.J. Brown was my first wide receiver off the board. Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be my second quarterback, but he got hurt the first game of the year. Cooper Cup was my second wide receiver, and that was the Cooper Cup year. T.J. Hawkinson was my tight end. So six of those seven picks were absolute smashes, Will. So what are we complaining about? Round eight. Raheem Mostert. Wait, wait, so a round eight pick was never going to make or break your hold season. On, hold Get on, out hold of on. Here. No, 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 no. Over guys like Kareem Hunt. Over guys like Melvin Gordon. Over guys like Debo Samuel. Jamar well, Chase went in the 12th round. And I let you, I let you talk me into Raheem Mostert. So don't talk to me about my nagging with Raheem Mostert because, sir, the only reason he ended up on my team was because of you. Mm. Shame. So you had one running back, a rookie running back that was unproven, and then you drafted Mostert. Yes, what a terrible decision. It was anyway, a horrible decision. Kravit, Kravit get, gets convinced by other people easily. We got that noted. How dare you. Uh, anyway, a lot of rookies, you know, not doing so well right now. Mostly receivers that we take note of. Yeah, Obviously, it, Zach... <laughs> It's really funny. Uh, the the lone running back, Zach Charbonnet, definitely the backup as he, you know, still produces a little bit, but he is very clearly the backup running back. Jordan Addison, like most of the Vikings, completely disappeared. Uh Jackson Smith and Jigba working behind two 
uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers completely disappeared. Quentin Johnson, more opportunities, still MIA. The biggest one probably for this year is Jamar Gibbs. Still having an impact, but David Montgomery comes back has 120 plus yards and three touchdowns, and Jameer Gibbs is used sparing. I, and now I, you... I, I I hate the fact that we're up, we're surprised by this and we're upset by it because we I'm had not... the, we had the blueprint last year with both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift is in the Jameer Gibbs role, and David Montgomery is in the Jamal is in the, the Jamal Williams role. And boy, oh boy, uh, using the 12th overall pick on a running back that you don't intend to use at least 50% of the time is a goddamn head scratcher. But we said it earlier on in the show. All they're doing is winning football games. They beat Kansas City at Arrowhead to begin the year. So th- what, what they're doing something right. And we need to sit here and contemplate and complain and be patient about what is going to come next. For Jameer Gibbs, um, well, yeah, go for it. It's just it's it's the same thing I've been saying. He is a wide receiver weapon in a running back, you know, slot as far as you know where, how he was drafted. But he is more of a wide receiver. He reminds me, you know, I don't think he's quite as big, but he reminds me kind of like of Debo Samuel, and the, they use him at running back sometimes, or they use him as wide receiver. But he's not like, you know, the traditional RB1 type. So they, you know, will get more comfortable with him and find different ways to get him the ball and use him. It's just, it is, they are, they are very good compliments to each other and very good compliments to the receivers and tight end that they have, you know, moving down the field. So I do like Gibbs. I think there's more production coming. But yeah, he was never going to be the 20, 25 carry guy, um, at least in the very early part of his career. Yeah, the one thing that we do need to keep in mind is that all of these guys are rookies, especially Addison, Smith and Jigba, and Quinton Johnston. All three of those guys have ridiculously high draft capital, and they're doing nothing right now. But Amon Ross St. Brown didn't do anything last year, the year before last, his rookie year, until like game 12. Um, Cooper Cup was sort of meandering before he broke out. Nico Collins has had two really big bad years before this 30-year breakout hell even Tutu Atwell like Will had said earlier 30-year breakout he's doing real well right now granted it's without cup on the field but goes to show all it takes is an opportunity if you have the opportunity and you use it wisely like just just, all you got to do is show up and QJ has the opportunity right now post bye week I'm sure they'll do a lot to try to scheme him open Jordan Addison playing alongside Justin Jefferson. That alone is a learning experience that very few people are going to have in their entire lives to learn from one of the very best to ever do it, to try to follow in his footsteps. The only one that I'm sort of worried about is uh, Smith and Jigba will, because he's playing behind DK Metcalf. He's playing behind Tyler Lockett and he has a very different skill set than both of those guys. And he still is not being schemed to get open and to get the ball. I took JSN in zero redraft leagues for this reason. I have a lot of him in Dynasty, but I'm starting to get worried that he might not be the wide receiver everybody wanted him to be, at least as quickly as we'd like him to be. No, I mean, I never thought it was going to be this year. I think it's possible they move on from Tyler Lockett next year, in which case he will fill the Tyler Lockett role, and he will have a very successful season beginning next year just i did not see it happening this year if lockett or dk were to actually miss extended time i think he will be perfectly fine i just don't think he's gonna see anywhere near the volume to make him relevant at the moment and oh i I had no doubt that i had no doubt he'd be useless this year no doubt he'd be useless this year it was a long-term play if ever there was one dorian thompson robinson um, uh, he was awful in his first start. He was a preseason darling, was picked off three times, only threw for 120 yards. He had a really bad start against the really good Baltimore Ravens defense. The opportunities will indeed come for him, so I'm not worried about it. At least not yet. He did not look good, though. And, you know, 
Aiden didn't really look great in his first start either, but to be expected, they're not the starting quarterbacks for their respective teams. Kind of thrown into a situation uh, very late in the week was Watson ruled out and very late in the week for, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo as far as, you know, the final notice. And it, it was just, ne- it was never going to happen for a rookie coming into a game like that for his first start. Hopefully they have better if they need to be, but odds are with the bye week, Robinson was only going to make that one start. And for Aiden, well, concussions can be tricky. So, you know, we'll see with Jimmy. I mean, right now, I think they're still prepping as if O'Connell is going to be the starter because Jimmy's still in the concussion protocol. It's kind of nuts. Kind of crazy. And I, um, because O'Connell, he wasn't all bad. He did have flashes of, you know, decent quarterback play. Um, he was able to connect really well with Devontae Adams towards the end of the game after Adams missed a half with a shoulder injury. Still finished with 15 points in a full PPR. Seven catches, 80 yards. Like, he, he, he was just fine. So there is a lot of potential for Aiden O'Connell, which is nice. Also nice is the fact that Will has a winning record against me this year. What are you, 5-1 and one against me? 6-1? and 5-1. Did, I didn't. One. Did I face you? I didn't face you in the league. Yeah, I think this is the first week of the year that we did not face each other. Interesting. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. It is. It's probably gonna last all. There's definitely a league I'm facing you in right this week. Probably. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll put it up on the Twitter. I'm trying to think what else we got to cover. There's a there. There were a, not a lot of injuries. Like it was a pretty ho hum weekend in terms of teams that were supposed to win versus teams that didn't win. There weren't a lot of upset upsets. The Eagles almost lost to the Commanders, but like, eh, like nothing, not, not nothing bad happened in the NFL as far as I can tell this weekend, except for the Smith uh, Taylor Swift mania that is continuing to plague the NFL. Rabbit, do you know my biggest regret of the? This isn't dynasty related. My biggest regret of the fantasy season so far. I do because you just told me before we got on air, but you can tell the people. It was drafting Jamar Chase over Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. That was that was that was a bad decision. Yeah, that 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 was rough. Um, a lot of people weren't given that option. A lot of people um, drafting third ended up with Chase because McCaffrey was drafted second. Um, I will say that a lot of us did think Jamar Chase was the consensus number two because McCaffrey for for. for as incredible as he is, he's one of five pieces on that offense. But with an entire offseason to prep an entire offense just for CMC, we sort of took that out of uh, out of context and did. Well, we not all, give we him. all, all, every single person to a T, even if they were still going to draft him this year, fell for the coach speak that we want to try to ease his touches. Yep. Every single person. And we believed him, and we should have known better. I, I hate the fact that we, uh, I hate the fact that we fell for it. We fell for it every single time. Um, like uh, Joe Burrow, fell for it that he was healthy, and he's uh, like yeah, we said earlier, mess. very. Is he clearly, droppable in redraft? Not, not yet. Um, uh, unless you can get C.J. Stroud for him. Um, and C.J. Stroud is going to be one of the most popular pickups of the weekend in redraft along with Michael Wilson, along with Jaleel McLaughlin. Keaton Mitchell, the running back in Baltimore, um, coming off IR. They need all the running back help they can get, and I'm sure that he will be able to provide it. He has a lot of big play capabilities. So keep an eye on him. If you want to pick him up early, pick him up this week. Thanks uh, for listening, guys. Super appreciate all of you. Find us wherever you find a podcast. Rate us fairly. Don't give us five stars because we want it. If you think we deserve four stars, let us know why. How can we make this better for you? Let us know on Twitter at FDD underscore ethos or at BNK underscore radio on Twitter. Again, refuse to call it X. That's That's pretty much it. It it was actually an uneventful overall week for the most part. I'm 4-0 in the league that matters most, baby. And I got Brees Hall for him Mostert. That entire thing is just. A, I took uh, over first place in one league, so there's that. So I'm very proud of you. Some something, some good things happening. Yeah. Um. Uh, another good thing is that we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. 
Uh, God willing, we'll be back here next week um, with a whole new week to talk about. Hopefully, Will and I will continue with our good luck over the year. We make the really good uh, free agent pickups so we can help you make your free agent pickups with your waiver wires and your fab and all that fun stuff. I do miss going to the lab, though. I do miss putting on the gloves, the lab coats. Uh, we can... We could definitely we could definitely bring that back. Telling our sisters uh, to get out of our laboratory as Bill Nye, the dynasty guy, helps you put together a winning formula for your DFS needs. Maybe we'll get back into that as the season progresses. But until then, he's Billy. I'm the Crab. We'll see you next time right here on First Down Dynasty. Have a good night, everybody.